0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, it's Saturday morning, the shorts are up, the mouth guard is in and the oranges are cut. That means it's time for Chris Taylor and HG Nelson to hook into a winning grin on We Was Robbed.
1: Yes, right around Australia, it is that time, time to have a cup of Milo, a warm pot of tea, maybe a squeeze of a fresh bit of juice. Uh, To start the weekend with myself, Chris Taylor, and HG Nelson here on Kindling Kids Radio. Hope you're having an excellent start to your weekend. So much to get through, and here to help me get through
2: it all, wade through the week that was. It's a very good morning to HG Nelson. Yes, thanks very much, Chris, and big news overnight in the AFL, the West Coast Eagles have beaten... Uh, the Adelaide Crows by the best part of twenty nine points. Uh, this is a big. Uh, this is a big wow. change to things because, as everybody knows who's following the AFL at the moment, the congestion at the top of the ladder is um, well, it's a once in a generation congestion up there. It's a there.
1: real bottleneck, isn't it? A
2: real bottleneck. And this means now five teams are on sixty four points uh, with percentage separating them, and it does look as though with a bit of luck. Adelaide may not hang on to second position at the end of the home and away season, depending on the results over the rest of the weekend, but that is a big result given that everybody tipped uh, the Adelaide Crows to win that match easily. The, um, uh, the Crows never really got into the game, and even though this was a match with it where Nat Nui wasn't playing, the key Ruckman wasn't playing for the Eagles. They've risen with the support of their home crowd at Subiaco Oval and clobbered the uh, Adelaide Crows. An excellent result, and as, as we say, throwing the cat amongst the pigeons uh, in the top five in the AFL. Absolutely. Uh,
1: huge show coming up today here on Kindling. Um, a little bit later we're going to be chatting with one of the gold medalists from the women's rugby seven side. Uh, that'll be a real treat. Alicia Quirk will be coming in. Uh, speaking of rugby, we'll also look at uh, the Wallabies prospects in the Bledisloe Cup tonight. Just, uh, Jared Hayne has compared himself to Jesus. Um, so a lot to get through. All that and more coming up on We Was We Was Robbed. <laughs>
0: We Was Robbed is the siren sound of success here on Kindling Kids Radio.
1: Uh, But first, HG, um, I'm thrilled to hear that there is gold in them hills uh, once again. Uh, A huge, uh, huge uh, bit of prospecting news this week where, uh, look, I know a lot of kids thought there was no gold left to, to out of the earth, you know, you sort of hear about gold in the history books as if it was something that happened to our granddads or great granddads. But the good news is, kids, there is still gold in there. Someone pulled out a massive nugget in the Victorian gold fields just near Bendigo or Ballarat, it was four kilograms of gold nugget, and I think that declares open season. I'm calling it HG Gold Rush mark 2.0 it's back
2: on get yourself a pick get your pan and let's hit them hills now uh, look sometimes we're able on we was robbed to shift the gaze away from sport to other well activities weekend activities and panning and digging up for gold is just one that's right back on the agenda this week can i set this in the context of the same week I think it was in Japan where a person had been um, you know, sort of looking around for doorstops and discovered they had an odd shaped rock and used it as a doorstop I think at their mum's place and then as time went on they discovered they had the world's biggest pearl it was an odd shaped pearl it wasn't round like you expect pearls but the biggest pearl in the world ever to discover so two great finds this week one as a doorstop and one in the dirt is there now some poor woman who's wearing that pearl as an earring (laughs) just like being weighed down on one side very heavily some Russian Oligarchs, (laughs) missus. Now, uh, a weekend prospector, so kids, this is you. He was just a hobbyist. A hobbyist, unearthed uh, basically a quarter of a million dollar nugget which he first mistook for a horseshoe. How often have oh, I done that? Well. But sadly, it's always been a horseshoe in my case. Um, now, it's it, this is the same prospector who a week ago discovered a 250-gram two tennis ball size uh, gold nugget. Right, so, so he's had two good finds. Two good finds. He worked over a section on the far southern edge of what they call Victoria's Golden Triangle. Uh, the man who doesn't want to be named obviously i thought it was rubbish at first about 12 inches below the ground i could barely make out the top of something as i began to scrape away the clay and dig deeper i couldn't believe my eyes this was wasn't an old piece of steel in front of me it was obviously this nugget now he was using wait for it kids the Mine Lab GPZ 7000. Oh, it's a good metal tool. Attack. It's yeah. an incredible bit of work, yeah, it, it right. is. The Mine Lab GPZ 7000. Not that you need that one of those. If you've just got a bucket oh, and spade in your
1: backyard, go that's, for it. That's true. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's obviously uh, a more serious level. Up. He's tooled like, up. He's got been down to Bunnings and asked for the best thing they've got on the shelf. But <laughs> if you've just got, I don't know, maybe a fork from your
2: mum's kitchen drawer. Or a hammer. Or a hammer. Yeah. Just start a plastic spoon. The explorer uh, washed the nugget, covered it in aluminium foil, and stuck it in his oven. What? Yeah, no, I no, don't. That maybe that's a routine that they do. What? Maybe that increases the value. But kids, if you get treated one, treated it like garlic bread.
0: <laughs> Bandits and outlaws. This is Radio on the Run, and you are packing down with repeat offenders on We Was Robbed.
1: Yeah, we've got gold fever this week. On uh, we was robbed off the back of a an extraordinary discovery uh, in the in the uh, the former goldfields of Victoria. Well, I think we can call them the the existing goldfields. A four kilogram gold nugget was found by an amateur prospector, and and then and she's just dropped the extraordinary news that he decided to put it in the oven. Yes. Now, is this a common technique <clears throat> for when when it's, when a kid finds gold this weekend? <laughs> Do you need to heat it up? You or was he planning mm. to have it for dinner? What, 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 why the oven technique? Right.
2: It's like catching a big fish, according to the prospector. But and that not, you do eat. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Is it? But you do the same preparation for Kids your Kids, do nugget. not eat your gold. Mm. Uh, well, he said, well, where do you put it? Uh, as soon as he, he made the discovery, and this is the part of the story, youngsters, that I really like, he alerted his mates, also keen gold prospectors, mm. with whom he had made a pact to split the riches from any large finds. Ashley Argoon uh, got this, and they celebrated with a couple of beers. He said he'd been searching they for... They put the beers in the oven? Too? They do. They do. <laughs> and dial up to 180 yep. degrees centigrade. He'd been searching for coins and relics and mm. gold on weekends for more than a decade.
1: Oh, so he's, he's, he's put some time in. Well, anybody... This is, this is a, a late payoff to a, a decade's a... worth of investment. Yeah. <laughs> Beautifully put. He must have all... He, he took full credit to him for not giving up. Oh, like no. I would have thought a lot of people reached year nine and thought, oh, I haven't even found a five-cent coin. Maybe there's nothing in this cave. But, but he stuck at it, and he got his reward this well, week. remember, once you get gold fever. Yeah, no.
2: Now, look, um, once you get a mine lab GPZ 7000, yeah. you've made a fair investment, Uh, And so, you know, stick with it. Now, he's hoping to get a van and travel, continuing his hunt for treasure in far-flung parts of the continent. Wow. So he's thought about it further. So rather than just think the spot that he actually finally found something... Go back to that. Stay there. (laughs) There, 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 He's on a run there. No, let's go somewhere else. Uh, The giant gold nugget is now sitting in a bank vault as a replica has been constructed and auction plans are made Mm. for it. Um, Now... 2013, a five kilogram chunk was discovered near Ballarat. That uh, got 300,000 at the market. The gold dealer from Ballarat's mining exchange and gold shop said uh, Victoria was the most likely place in the world. Wow. In the world to unearth a big nugget. Historically, more than 90% of nuggets over 100 ounces, that's a gold weight come out of the area uh, triangled by, triangulated by Ballarat, Bendigo and Wedderburn. They're getting harder to find, but this, this one proves they're the, still out they're there. there. They're now, there. Now, of course, the key thing is a name for this nugget. Now, people who know these things will realise that in 1869, the Welcome Stranger... This is the biggest alluvial gold nugget was found, weight of ninety seven point one four kilograms. So it's quite a step up from this one. Uh, now that was found in Victoria. The value today around about three or four million. Wow. Love the name, Welcome Stranger. Obviously, yeah. digger down on his his or her luck uh, hits a pick into the dirt and hits the Welcome Stranger in nineteen eighty. The hand of faith. A 27.21 kilogram ha- a nugget was found by Kevin Hillier using a metal detector uh, near King Gower on, uh, well, on almost on, I could be persuaded that in 1980, September the 26th was grand final day. So wow. a win and a nugget. Yeah, what a day. Then in 2013, 5 kilogram nugget unearthed. Uh, 20, 2013, 5 kilogram. In 2015, 2.5 nugget. 2016, the 4 kilogram nugget. They're out there. They're out there. Now, what we need is a name for this nugget.
1: 0437665200 if you have any ideas what should we name this new nugget 0437665200 I've already put up the um that's the text line of course not a phone line so if you want to SMS us your ideas 0437665200 I'm going to kick things off with the garlic bread yeah. I think
2: uh that's just an early idea That's an excellent early idea though um <laughs> HG do you have any well, to add to the title I-, I was going to say the big fish uh, you know, as in the prospector thought it was like fishing, yep. very similar. Um, or Moby, like as in ah,
1: the, the, white, whale, whale, the whale, the one whale. that you thought might not exist. Is it out there he found his white whale? Um, so many ideas. What do I want to know is just to go back to this oven business. I how long did he keep it in the oven? Mm. At what temperature? <laughs> and let us he had his mates around, obviously, for beers. So if they were also, you know, having pizza that night, did they still did the nugget get in the way of whatever he was trying to cook that night? So if you're putting in a, I don't know, it might be a pepperoni pizza, where do you move the nugget in the oven while you're cooking up a
2: couple of pies? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, Look, I think, um, you know, in crime, uh, people always hide the money in the freezer, in plastic bags. I think. Well... (laughs) In your day. (laughs) Right. You know, crime movies, the cops, you know, the cops are always... You know, the first to try the freezer in the fridge—that's what I write in so my think, scripts
1: anyway. You think is so, trying to be one step ahead? The exactly. freezer
2: too obvious.
0: <laughs> if flops and fiascos, botches and breakdowns are your go, we was robbed is your show.
1: Uh, With Chris Taylor and HG Nelson this morning. where um, We're looking at gold and uh, and another pastime, HG, that also seems to be coming back in vogue and it's a beautiful one for kids to take up as we head into springtime.
2: Exactly right. Now we talked a little bit about fish and the comparison between fishing and gold prospecting out with your uh, metal detector etc. And the patience that you need. Uh, Remember the person who unearthed the big one had been doing it for a decade. Similarly with fishing but every year the Canberra Anglers Association, that's the CAA, conducts, wait for it, free, free, I've said that right, free fly fishing classes for the public on three Sundays prior to the opening of the trout season, which this year takes place on October the 1st. Now, October the 1st Mm. might be a Saturday, the same weekend as the AFL grand final this year. So that's a great double. The classes will be held on, wait for it, 4th of September, 11th of September and the 18th of September. And the venue, mark this down kids, for the first two sessions will be the lawns of the old parliament house. Wow. Best use of the old Parliament House. Uh, Every year they have the cartoons of the year in the old Parliament House. They do. Excellent exhibition. Now, not a lot of fish in old Parliament House. How's that work? Well, it's opposite... Just casting practice, is it? It, it, It's opposite the Treasury Building across from Parks Place West. This is uh, for people in the area who will know. The classes run from 10am till noon. Uh, Members of the Canberra Anglers Association will be in attendance to teach newcomers the gentle art, the forgotten art of fly casting and to help more experienced casters brush up their techniques uh, among teachers will be a certified international fly fishing federation caster who can teach both basic and advanced tech casting techniques so mm-hmm. it's just a hell of an opportunity classes are free open to all people kids and women and men all particularly welcome imagine dad on father's day going down to learn how to yeah. catch a fish all gear supplied but people can bring their own rods if they have one uh Obviously, if you're outdoors, remember, you know, bring your sunscreen and sunnies and hats, etc. Also, sausage sizzle, etc. Now, the last Sunday, the third class, this is on the 18th, is going to be held at the privately owned Kungla Lakes uh, so area. So, are finally
1: getting near some water.
2: Exactly, where there are two large uh, lakes stocked with fish. Participants can tense, then test their newfound fly casting skills on the real thing. And these are hungry. They are starving. They just want to jump, but a uh, fly these rainbow and brown trout in the kungla Lakes—a great experience, obviously. Need more information? Go to CanberraAnglers.com. Wow. dot.
1: It seems there's a lot of uh, a lot of emphasis on casting, not much on catching. No. Now this now,
2: is the key is casting.
1: <laughs> How important is casting? As I understand, it's the key to it all. Well, it's certainly i've I've seen, I've certainly been out fly fishing a few times, um and you can I can happily spend a whole morning just casting and never actually just just okay. putting my line in the air in that lovely elegant loop as it slices the the air and never actually put it in the
2: water. <laughs> the The key things as I understand in fly fishing are your fly, yeah. which kids is not an actual fly. It's a <laughs> replica
1: of a fly. This is the art so you don't use bait. You put you sort of. In fact, there's a real art just in making flies. Mm. And if you ever have the uh, the good fortune to spend an hour with a fly fisherman, they'll they'll open up their little box and they'll have about up to a hundred beautiful looking. They almost look like jewelry, but in to resemble bugs, flies, or other insects that fish might want to eat. Either on the surface of the river, yeah, and that's that's when you'd use a classic dry fly, and that's when you cast in the air. Or you'd use a nymph fly, which is under the surface, if they think the trout are nibbling more under the water rather than on the surface. And in that case, you'd use, well, a nymph fly is basically the same thing as a dry fly, but you don't bother with the big swing in the air. You just throw it in and you put a couple of sinkers on your line so the line goes down to the level where the trout are hovering.
2: Wow, that's excellent information there. And is it fun? It's great fun. Yeah. Now, the, As long um, as you're happy not to catch anything. Yeah. It's and, actually very hard. Compared to um, oh,
1: traditional fishing, like off the jetty, um, with bait, it's much more of a patience game. Um, it, it sort of depends on your river or your lake a bit. Some are very trouty, others less so. <laughs> um, but, no, it's fun. If you, and you, the good thing is you get to stand in the water. You know, you
2: put waders on. And you do this as a holiday activity. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, look, just coming back to the casting issue... Uh, the first time I ever saw casting as a thing in itself was on the Morfordville race course. This is going back as a kid, and I couldn't understand why these people were had their fishing rods and were walking into the race course yeah. but of course they use the length of the straight it's competitive sport
1: casting because oh, the lines are also very long sometimes
2: correct so you've got a long straight area of land nothing on it no trees and on a Sunday when there's no races they let it, in the yeah. old days they'd let the fishing people come on and have a cast now some of these people and I've I hope been, they don't get snagged on a horse well <laughs> Yeah, you've just got to hover above the horse (laughs) and have him jump up to it. Look, um, some of these people can do phenomenal distances and I'd be wrong in saying that these are not... Uh, to be underestimated, how far they can get it out, and the competitive nature of people who want that extra meter yeah, in right. their cast—it's well, a phenomenally uh, complex
1: thing. I don't dispute for a second that it, there is a, a competitive aspect to how long you can cast. In the actual fly fishing community, though, they put no store at all in in distance or length. They say people who go for really long casts are actually showboating. Um, they say it's actually you, you basically need to see your fish. So, there's because wow. the the idea of casting is that you drop your line in at the very point where the fish's mouth is. So you actually got to, it's, it's a precision game to drop it exactly in the right spot. So there's no point casting long unless you can see your fish. So, so most, most actual fly fishermen would never cast more than about five metres.
2: And it's accuracy. Accuracy is key. Right. Now, speaking of those who might be headed towards uh, Canberra. the Canberra. I've got some fishing updates uh, courtesy of uh, Brian Pratt uh, in the Canberra area. Rainbow and uh, brown trout um, are busy. A very trouty area sur- uh, on the shorelines of Ginderbine and Eucamee, that's the lakes there. Foraging for food washed from newly flooded ground. A few have been taken on fly and lure, but most have been caught on bait, especially wood grubs. Ooh. Power bait and scrub worms. For best results, fish with the lightest line and sinker possible, starting in shallow water early in the morning and shifting to deeper water later in the day. How about that? Wow. Some update there. Concentrate where possible on small streams flowing into the lake. Recent hotspots include Seven Gates. People in the area will know this. Braemar in Eukenby, Hatchery Bay and Creel Bay in Jindabide. So that's yes, a great update there from Pratty. And those places are very, very trouty.
1: Oh, they are trouty. Now, as you've done a lot of fishing in your time, uh, competitively and recreationally, baits, uh, what do you like to put on your hooks? Um, mm. And do people get too hung up on traditional things like worms, prawns, little bits of fish crap. Should we be looking at more in this age of MasterChef s- s- some tastier morsels, some treats like a macaron on the end of the line? Because fish might want a change of diet. Maybe they want a treat. Maybe they want a croquembouche. <laughs> s- <laughs> duck a l'orange. What I, would Zumbo put on his hook? Yes. How's that show going? I don't
2: know. It would have done uh, a lot better if they promoted it more during the Olympics. My, my, my great Experience of fishing is fishing from jetties. Yeah. Uh, so the Edithburg jetty and uh, York Peninsula, I know that very well, where you uh, can South get a lot Australia. of brim, the South Australia a lot of brim off the jetty in the old days. And I tried when I was a child to uh completely clean St. Vincent's Gulf out of fish. Uh there weren't oh. many fish left in St. Vincent's Gulf when I got there, but um it mainly I went after gar uh gar, fish, gar which is fishes, a surface, excellent eating fish, it is. and a surface fish, and so you put a float, let the float drift out, very um, very short piece of line after the float and drift out off the jetty. And um, now bait, that would be... uh, Usually, I think we were using some sort of uh, sea crustacean bait, like uh, uh, um, some sort of um, mussel. Yeah, cockles, I think it was. Cockles! Cockles. Yeah. And if we got stuck with not catching any fish, we could always eat the bait.
1: Yeah. Now, we've had a text in here. on This is the question that uh, we're running all day here on the We Was Robbed text line. Um, to name the gold nugget uh, that's been found this week in the Victorian gold fields. Uh, now Adrian's got in touch. The Cremant. The, Phelps- the Phelpscrement. <laughs> that's fantastic. As a lovely tribute to the star of the Rio Games yes, I presume. Yes, uh, gold. Go, exactly. Yeah, it's all there. It's there. Well, cremant Well now that we know there's gold there maybe we can send our Australian swim team to get the gold they missed out on in Rio. <laughs>
0: is a colouring in book without any pictures or coloured pencils. This is We Was Robbed.
2: Now, uh, look, at last, well, this is a dream really of mine as, as an AFL Hogwarts is being established. And the brains behind the AFL Hogwarts is... Alex Rance, the well-known and silky-skilled defender for mm-hmm. the uh, Richmond Tigers. I think Rance is maybe into his last year or his final years of his career, very stellar career. And in he's the, setting up a, an AFL school. He's setting up an AFL school. He, it, well, the idea came to him late last year when he and a long-time friend were talking about the school days and <laughs> um, they were, as you do, I suppose, footballers don't talk about footy anymore. They talk about school days. Mm-hmm. And Emma Quayle got this for The Age in Melbourne uh, they said there were times when they felt disengaged and they weren't learning as much as they could or should have been. Now, I thought that was the role of the student to feel disengaged yeah. and feel as though what they're learning is what the parents felt as though or the teachers felt because as them. though was useful to them to yeah. learn rather yeah. than what they should be learning no, to prepare no. them. Yeah. No, your school's so, doing something wrong if yeah, they're engaging yeah. you. <laughs> correct, yeah. correct. Uh, from there, they started to wonder, could they create their own school? Uh, that was the end of last yeah, talking year. Talking at- a traditional school with. Subjects like maths,
1: English, yes, geography, are, but with a bit of AFL on the side, yes, or really. AFL heavy syllabus and then maths on the side?
2: Well, I think probably the rules of AFL, uh, uh, could you know, be. history of AFL, uh, AFL culture, which is such a big topic these days, and so on, plus maths and science as well.
1: And would the maths syllabus be tailored to AFL? incorporate AFL? So like problem solving, uh, yeah. one, one side runs on the field at 11.36, the other side runs on at 12.42, if they're running at five kilometres per hour, what at what point in the MCG will they meet? Is that sort of problem solving? Okay,
2: I'd go simpler than that. <laughs> Points difference. One side has 23-12. How far ahead are they if the other yeah, side's right. got 9-6? How many behinds do yeah, they need right, yeah. if they want to win the game? Yeah, like, that's yeah. right. That sort of stuff. Uh, now, this is described as a hobby for Alex. Well, I don't think and, education's a hobby, actually. And- <laughs> It's going into much more than that. Um, wait for it. Listen to this. He and two business partners have rented space for two classrooms in Essendon. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Lord, Essendon. Yeah. Why would oh. you go there? What happened to Richmond? <laughs> <laughs> Essendon, Essendon? Well, Essendon's got a good wave pool, doesn't it? What, what's... Yeah, yeah, true. Which is ready to go to the start of next year as the school. They're close to appointing their first teacher, securing access to an oval in a gym. They've had around 60 expressions of interest in what's known as the academy. We're, they've got a website. They've got prospective students, parents. Everybody's going gangbusters. Yeah. We're planning to start with one class. They were planning to start with one class, but now they think they might go to two. There's been interest in people coming from Tasmania, South Australia, and Western Australia. The academy will be largely focused on football. Oh, there we go. That's Rance's ex- area of expertise. You'll need to be playing to get in. I don't like that at all. No. No, you go yeah. to learn, then you play. Yeah. <laughs> Or the if, if you're around.
1: already playing, you don't need to go to school. Exactly.
2: exactly. You'd be, this is just, you know, it's just madness really thinking. What, you... what years? Ah, uh, now that's a good question. Uh, 11 and 12? 11 and 12. Rance knows he won't be attracting the top kids in the draft, but he likes to think the school might help someone get onto a rookie list or be picked up higher up the order. He's had the Tigers high performance coaches on board to design and deliver strength and conditioning program. Uh, the students will add to what he calls a digital CV, documenting their physical development. Mm. Uh, the school will take in years 11 and 12, graduate with a Victoria Victorian certificate of applied football.
1: Oh, uh, so you don't get a VCE. No, you do. You uh, do as well? Yes. You but you're on f- top of your VCE, you get a VCAF. <laughs> That's right. Which I've never heard of. Have they just invented that? They is have. any other school off of the VCAF? No,
2: I just. Made I don't that think up.
1: Wesley or Melbourne Grammar. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, a friend of Rant's uh, workshopped the idea, and somebody's in uh, charge. They've got three main roles here they've got in charge of development and delivery. The school's going to be paperless. Students are going to work on iPads. Paperless. And wait for it. This is incredible. We've done a lot of research into attention span of kids, and it's getting shorter and shorter. He does not explain why it's getting shorter and shorter, but that's <laughs> another issue. We need punchier delivery and more videos, shorter sessions. We want more engaging. As he works out, he thinks all lessons will be five seconds long in the future, and they'll just go from one topic to the next. Now they just mm. get started, maths book open, that score again. Now we're on to uh, physics. Yep. You know, the physics of the yep. kick. Um, so they, um, you know, help us say it's all Alex Brainchild. He says we Are can there do any this. teachers at this school. Actually? Well, they're just video videos
1: of like five second videos. Of a physics <laughs> tutorial, <laughs> yeah. that's right from Harvard. Yeah, off YouTube or something. Then kid gets bored, moves on to a biology video. Five seconds dissecting a frog. Yep, the extension of
2: all you could do. Jane in Austen's physics. Persuasion, and Bridges. Yeah, that's right Brian Bridges. Five second video. Move on. <laughs> that's right. And all you could get in five seconds in physics is the extension of a spiral spring is directly proportional to the load acting on it, unless the elastic limit of the spring is exceeded. Bang! You're yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Rance has split the ideas into three basic modules. There's education, passion, I'm not sure about that in school, no. and personal. Now, this raises a question, is it co-ed? Ooh. Question mark. I don't know whether it is yeah, or not. Yeah. The first, the basics, English, maths Should and be. so on. The second one about getting kids to think about what they care most about, obviously football. football. And then he says music, web design. <laughs> music? Whatever. Whatever. What music student's going to go to the <laughs> AFL school? Anyway, so that they have something to strive for and feel motivated. I guess and r- the th- round them out, yeah. Th- th- third is about understanding themselves and how they think and learn. I think that's one thing parents really want. They want their kids to be motivated and self-aware and just, to, and just be a good person in the community. It's just fantastic. Mm. It's about fun, uh, you know, ideas about fun, money or a combination of both. He learnt, uh, you know. Obviously, he teaches the younger teammates. He sees that once I finished football, now that I have the skills, I thought that I had none. And there's so many skills as we develop as players that can be useful in yeah. setting up in the teaching school. maths. In teaching <laughs> maths,
1: That's right? Look, it's an extraordinary dream. I uh, certainly salute and applaud the vision. And I imagine, as he says, there are a lot of families in Victoria, South Australia, and Tasmania that would love to send their children to a school where their interests might be excited a bit more if they're more sporting inclined than physics inclined.
2: But do you think it has to be badged in a way? Tiger Town or something like that. And, you know, I just worry that it, it's got to be get away from being localised. You know, I, I thought it was a, a poor look going to Essendon because of all the problems Essendon's had as a football club.
1: I yeah, know. I know, it sends you did know, send the wrong message to kids. It does send a slightly <laughs> it? odd message. Is it, yeah, does hey, the, I... the chemistry class include tuition in peptides?
2: Is that that's, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, you've hit the nail on the head. Now, can I point out the role of the child is to sit in class and look out the window and think surfing? Yeah. That's the role of the child. Yeah. It's got to be bored. Yeah, working on paper aeroplane design,
1: working on where they're going to stick their chewing gum next. They're the sort of skills that you and I grew up with. Oh, yeah, we did. Um, look. It's tricky, isn't it? it? Look, it is tricky, and I guess if it takes off, you'd want to franchise it, wouldn't you? So you'd say it starts in Essendon, but very quickly the idea will ignite, and mm-hmm. there'll be a you know a Hobart branch, there'll be a Perth branch, a uh, Port Adelaide branch, and that kind of thing. And and soon we'll be, I guess, educating a nation of kids who are very good at football but pretty dumb at everything else.
0: Robbers, the doctor and the nurse are on the flap solving big problems in the award-winning Coaches Cat Flap.
1: Now, I just hear there were some beautiful scenes uh, this week as the Australian Olympic team uh, touched down back on home soil here in Australia, and, and we're given uh, a hero's welcome. There's been a bit of a debrief already at, uh, at some levels about the, the results. Of our Olympic team this year. Uh, some people thinking the medal count was a bit below expectations. Questions raised over Kitty Chiller's role and whether that will be ongoing as chef de Michon. But I think unambiguously, we can say one of the real high points um, was that gold medal won by the women in the rugby sevens. And we're absolutely chuffed to bits to be joined on the line now by a member of the Pearls, that gold medal winning team. It's a very good morning to Alicia Quirk.
3: Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. How does it feel to be back?
3: Uh, it's been exhausting, to say the least, but it's been an amazing experience coming home. Um, I was fortunate enough to even go back to my hometown, Wagga, over the past couple of days. and uh, We've just been inundated with support, and it's been really, really special to see the impact that we've had. And that this gold medal has had on Australia. So we're just so grateful for the support that we've received so far. It's yeah, it's fantastic.
1: Awesome. Congratulations on the gold. When you went back to Wagga, did you take the medal with you and uh, pass it around the streets? Did everyone get get a little hold of it?
3: Yeah, I did. They they were so they were so lovely, and they held a um, public welcoming home at the civic centre. So I was able to share it with a lot of the people that came down there, which was really great. And then I went to my old schools, um, Henske and Kildare, and I got to share the medal with a lot of the kids kids there. So, yeah, it was great to be able to share it with the Wagga community because they've been such a big supporter in my journey to getting to Rio too.
1: And I, I don't know if you ever had any teachers back in Wagga who sort of never thought you'd amount to anything in life or, you know, bu- <laughs> bu- bullied you or anything like that. Were you able to really rub it in their face and say, look what I've
3: done? <laughs> no, no, I, I think they all had high hopes for me when I was... Oh, good. So.
1: <laughs> you were a good
2: student.
3: Yeah, I was a good student. I wasn't in the naughty corner. So, yeah, uh, they were all so lovely. So, yeah, I was lucky in that regard.
2: Uh, Alicia HG here and look, uh, congratulations I echo the thoughts of Chris there. and what was it, what was exciting about the Rugby sevens was he was a sport very few people had seen uh, at the level like primetime television uh, before. and the way the Australians played was just so completely dominant and I'm just wondering you went in as favorites. did the favorite the weight of expectation ever weigh on you? did you ever think that the gold wasn't yours?
3: Um, no, that's funny, I've been asked that a few times actually and we just had such an amazing preparation. We know we played the best our best footy when we have lots of fun. Um, we've been a core group of girls for over three years now, so we've had a lot of consistency with our playing. We've got a lot of our mistakes and errors out of the way as such. And before the game we were singing, dancing, laughing, like just really pumped up and ready and I just knew that we were on, we were on song and our whole tournament we played such great football and we've always tried to play like such a fast, exciting and a really great brand of football that people want to watch. And so it was really awesome to hear that people had seen it for the first time and that they loved it. They yeah. they really oh. felt a connection with it and that it was exciting and that they were cheering and yelling at their TVs. And so that was really, really great as well as obviously winning the gold medal too, but to hear that kind of reaction after. And I feel like now we've got a few, a few more fans for life.
2: So that was uh, I think that's absolutely accurate impression of especially uh getting up and watching the the, the grand final against the arch yeah. enemy. And, yeah. uh, and the then rivals. The rivals up
3: again, yeah.
2: And then the, the collisions which are, are something that um the the two things that caught my eye were the way of seeing the game, how it unfolded and how you took advantage of mistakes here and there, but the collisions between the players, mm. is that was that something hard to get used to? Yeah, I mean
0: really I played
3: touch
2: football. I had never tackled, no
3: idea what rugby was until, you know, four years ago. And that was the biggest point for me. I knew I could run for days and I could pass the ball really well, but I never ever tried to stop someone running full pelt at me before. <laughs> so that was a lot to get your head around. And especially I was a lot smaller when I first started. So there was some big girls that were smashing me. Um, but it's a, it's a mentality kind of thing. And you know that, um, We're like a, we're trying to be like a brick wall, like we're like a defensive wall that we don't want anyone to come through because we're like a family, connected like family. So, you know, you put your body on your line for your teammates and for the other girls because you don't want to let anyone down. And, and, um, yeah, the, the, the physicality, um, is really good, but it's, you know, like, it's such a, like, good part of the game too because we stood up and we were really physical as well. And it was such a good spectacle for, um, you know, people to see these really fit, feminine girls smashing each other and mm. having an awesome time doing
1: it. <laughs> yeah. It's not just Ronda Rousey who you can watch. No, it's, it's not. It's, not. Now, it's interesting you mentioned you've only been doing this uh, for a short time and I got the feeling that's the case with a lot of the um, players in the side. I know Elia Green was formerly a track yeah. athlete and she came across. Am I right in thinking that the squad, to some extent, was almost like an Ocean's Eleven style dream team of people <laughs> yeah. where the scouts go out looking for people with various skills and then get you all together to learn the sport as one?
3: That sums it up pretty perfectly. <laughs> yeah. um, we all came from a variety of different backgrounds and our coaching staff, they picked you know, players that not only had great athletic ability and skill but actually were had a really good culture about them and we're really team orientated and we've come together really nicely and we've been training really, really hard learning all those technical areas of the game where so that we could excel in all the other areas that we brought to rugby. So like Ellie is like her speed and then Chloe Dalton from basketball so her ability to jump in the air and her kicking on her restart receptions is phenomenal. So all we had to do was learn how to tackle and, and be good at the ruck. So. Our coaching staff's done a really good job with that, and yeah, we've, it's kind of like a dream team—just plucked out well, all the best and all together. And it works. We worked. might even do handball next Olympics. Who well, knows? This, I th- <laughs>
1: think you've got you've got the rugby one in the bag. So yeah, you, you should look at other sports. Maybe the modern pentathlon—you could take yeah. on five sports in one event.
3: <laughs> I'm actually so in awe of her. Chloe is an amazing athlete, and we, we couldn't imagine doing all different things <laughs> like that. So, up to her. But it just shows how how. Um, Good omens came out of Deodora Stadium because we
1: won there, and then she won there oh, as well. Right. Yeah, mm. yeah, great. I was just wondering. Obviously, our um, the Wallabies are having a yeah, slightly tricky time mm. um, against the uh, the All Blacks in the Bledisloe Cup, and they meet again tonight. I'm wondering if there's any thoughts of sort of taking the same approach with men's rugby as what obviously worked so triumphantly in Rio with the women to sort of deliberately headhunt people from various different sports to get this dream team happening in men's rugby.
3: Yeah, I definitely think 15s is a very different style of game to sevens, um, and especially like it takes a like if you don't have those basic skill sets, like a lot of us came from touch football where the passing, the vision, the game sense and knowledge, um, that came naturally to a lot of us and I think that's really crucial in 15 because there's a lot more people, mm. the technicality of the game is um, a lot harder to break through and find gaps so I don't think it might work just as well but you, that they can try, up to them if they want to try um, <laughs> but I think the the Wallaby boys, that they're, they're going to get there, they're, they've got so much pride and they obviously would have been really disappointed in what happened last week and I know that they'll get there eventually, it took us a long time it took us you know four or five years we were coming seventh in 2012 and we just had to keep working really really hard God. up the ante and then look what happened now and we all had one dream that we achieved and worked really hard for together.
2: Alicia, uh, two things uh, compare and contrast here is is the Fijian men's team won gold, and yeah. obviously there are similar scenes in right across the South Pacific when Fiji won its first gold medal through uh, the rugby sevens. But two things that I know about the Fijian team were that they the coach said no mobile phones when they go yeah. to play, and very strict about the diet. Um, apparently the enthusiasm for the fork was a drawback in the Fijian <laughs> oh, preparation. Right. Now, did your team put any, you know, did the team put any caveats on itself in, say, those areas, those sort of hidden areas?
3: Yeah, we actually had, um, we limited ourselves to social media, so we didn't post anything in the lead-up. We said our goodbyes um, when we first got in, we got into the village, um, and, you know, we thanked everyone and like. Ask them to respect our time to just focus on our job. We're still obviously able to use our phones and contact our family because family is really important Mm -hmm. to us and that's what drives us to, you know, be better. And so we did those things and then we did a a 100 days ripped for Rio. So we were really strict with our dieting and cut out um, all the the bad things and really focused on getting our bodies, which are our tool, um, 100% right to perform. So we were pretty much the same as the Fijians. No social media, no phones, and then, yeah, watching your diet.
2: And uh, your partner is a, a Waratah, a place for the Waratahs. Yes. Well, what are your conversations like about, given that the Waratahs didn't go so well, you've done really well, do, do, do you <laughs> go to each other's games and sort of pick faults? And, no. No? Yeah,
3: we're both really, really supportive of each other. I'm kind of grateful that the Waratahs didn't do so well, because that meant that Matt <laughs> could come over and watch me, as sad oh. as that sounds, as selfish as that is, but... It was really, really great to have him over in the stands with all my family and friends too. and He's such a great support for me and it's really easy to be able to bounce ideas off each other or talk about things. And He's helped me a lot with my kicking and and things like that and I obviously offer a lot of advice where I can but obviously not taken so much. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's really great having that relationship with him.
1: And um, obviously um, you you would have seen in the news in the lead-up uh, to Rio, Jared Hayne tried to knock on the door of the men's um, <laughs> yeah. f- Fijian squad to get a Guernsey to fulfill his dream of winning a gold medal. When that fell over for him, did you guys get a knock on the door with Jared offering himself to maybe <laughs> drag up and be a member of the Pearls?
3: I'm really surprised that he didn't. I, I, thought, I thought that he would, yeah. but he didn't. Um, I think he might have realised how actual, physically demanding yeah. and challenging the game of sevens was and that. He couldn't even have a crack in, in any team, um, regardless of, of the gender. So, yeah, we didn't get a call from him.
2: <laughs> now, Alicia, what happens next? Um, you've got obviously got the gold and a well-deserved rest, I hope. But, but where does it yeah. go to from here? Is it likely that, that the squad could stay together and tour around? I mean, I'm never sure exactly. I know there's a big day planned, I think, early next year for women's sevens in Sydney. But mm. um, where, where, how, how, do, how does your life unfold from here?
3: Um, it's it's literally like next job. We've ticked that box. We move on to the next one, and we've got the World Series starting in in December, and then everyone's super pumped for the Sydney leg. To be able to play on home soil is just indescribable, and so we're really amped to be able to do that. So I think that'll keep a lot of people around. Um, and you know, now that we've got one gold, that taste and that feeling, and how amazing the Olympics experience was. Like, there's a fair few girls that are really young. And our squads have been you know had so much fun these past four years that we're going to go again and want to do it again in tokyo Literally. and and then also with the Commonwealth Games in the Gold Coast, too, a lot of the girls are from Brizzy Queensland area, so to be able to play there and bring home a gold there would be phenomenal as well, so pretty much the plan's just more rugby.
2: Yes, and and can I just uh, before Chris has another one? Can I just ask, is it possible that you would be able to make a career of this? And when I mean a career, earn money that you could change for milk and bread at the corner store?
3: <laughs> yeah, so we've been professional full time from the um, contracted to the Aiu from two thousand and fourteen. Okay, so I can buy bread and milk. I'm good with that, <laughs> um, and hopefully that this gold medal will only see the profile of. Um, you know, professional women's rugby be paid deservingly as what as what it should be, Excellent. and that um, you know, and that continue to rise, and then that open avenues for not just our sport, but for other women's sport to follow, and that that, that recognition be there for how how great what um, anyone in sport can achieve, regardless of gender. So yeah, we're really lucky that we've had that backing from the Aiu, and that they can see that it's. Um, awarded them with dividends with this gold medal
1: too. Totally, and I think, as H you said, because so many Australians sort of had their first taste of it during Rio, we've all seen how excited it is, and hopefully there are a few um, TV executives watching to show that it is exciting and yeah. and televisual. Put so maybe on,
3: put us on. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll,
1: we'll we'll be on board. Just finally, where 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 is the medal as we speak? Where do you keep it?
3: <laughs> I actually just um, returned home from Wagga, like from the airport, so. I've had it out showing some some of my boyfriend's cousins that are here, so it's on a few of their necks, I think. At the
1: moment, it's like a new mum who's constantly showing their new child. You've just constantly know, got it that's out. I
3: know, I feel like I'm like here's my baby, look at it, it's <laughs> so great.
1: Look, we can't emphasise enough how proud we are. It, it oh, was so thrilling you. to Fantastic. watch um, Aussie get that early gold at Rio, and it's a huge Philip uh, for um, rugby and women's rugby in particular. So, on behalf of all of us here at Kindling, congratulations.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat.
1: Our pleasure. Have a great weekend.
3: Okay, thanks. See
1: Bye, you. Now. Bye.
0: We are all on the same page, but it's the wobbly page stuck to the bottom of the wobbly boot on We Was Robbed.
1: On behalf of HG Nelson and myself, it's been an absolute pleasure to have your company.
0: Uh, Feel free to go screen
1: free any time this week. Uh, Everyone here at Kindling is doing it, and we'll be back at the usual time, uh, 8 o'clock next Saturday morning. But as always, it's been an absolute treat to have your company, and we'll catch you again next week. Have a great week, and bye now.
0: That's it for this week, Robbers. The boys will be back next Saturday from 8am. Remember, you can relive all the action by heading to our website, kindling.com.au.